Hello, everyone. It's Monday, February 3rd, and it's time for the Sports Wagon Podcast. I'm on the road, and this is a first. I'm recording at night, and it's, as I said, it's episode number 10, so this is exciting. So the first milestone of this podcast, thank you for joining me on the ride. Um, I'm your host. It's Uncle Dub, and that's my Twitter name. Find me there at, at I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. What a weekend. Um, so for those of us who um, enjoy football, so um, I am, again, as I mentioned in my first episode, I'm not a watcher of the NFL. I am an observer of the NFL. And, um, well, I watched the Super Bowl, uh, quotes, air quotes, watch the Super Bowl on Twitter. So I kind of lived through the uh, comments of you know all my Twitter followers, and it was pretty entertaining as it usually is. Um, but but as you uh, may know by now, the, uh, the Super Bowl was won by the Kansas City Chiefs, who I predicted. I felt that they were the better team. Um, Patrick Mahomes led the team. So despite having uh, two interceptions, um, they mounted the comeback. So the, the Chiefs have just been this comeback team for, you know, the, 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 especially the playoffs. They've been a, a comeback team in the playoffs. You know, they would, you know, get down early and then they would just claw their way back and, and win. So uh, congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. And we are talking about the Kansas City in Missouri. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that idiocy. Um, so just go, uh, if you're on Twitter, go look up Kansas City, Kansas, and you, you'll just kind of have to uh, decipher all of the stupidity for yourself. Um, so with this win, um, Andy Reid, who you know, I think I've uh, said in previous episode that um, I thought that he was currently uh, the best coach uh, in uh, pro football who didn't have a championship. He now has one. And, I, you know, it's just a great moment to see somebody, you know, a coach like him who's been putting in a lot of work and who just has such a great offensive mind finally win the big one. So, I mean, that's got to be, you know, in some ways a monkey off of his back. Um, you know, it just I, I think it's just hard. You know, you, you as a sports fan, you watch uh, certain uh, teams and certain coaches try to win championships. And, and in many cases you see, you know, maybe you might not like a particular team, but maybe you watch a particular coach just go through chance after chance after chance and finally break through. And even if you don't like that particular team, you feel some kind of way about that coach. I mean, there are plenty of coaches, great coaches in many sports who haven't won a championship, never will get that chance. Or you've got coaches who, on the other end of the spectrum, who've had a lot of great teams and great players and maybe didn't win as many championships as they should have. But, you know, to see Andy Reid finally get another shot and finally, you know, get it, get it done. I mean, just a great accomplishment. And, you know, you got to give tip your hat to him. Also, a tip of the cap to uh, their offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, who, you know, I say, and, and I think many will agree with me, that Eric Bieniemy should be an NFL coach. And he um, kind of went through the, the process uh, this last go-around uh, when there were a number of openings. He wasn't selected for one of those openings. And I just felt like, you know, that, you know, I, I could probably do a whole show about talking about, you know, the Rooney Rule and all the things going along with that. And I just feel like the Rooney Rule, you know, a, a great rule to kind of ensure that there is more diversity in the coaching ranks in the NFL. But at the same time, too, I feel like nowadays a lot of lip service is being paid to the Rooney Rule that, you know, uh, teams can follow essentially 
the the spirit of the Rooney Rule. You know, hey, we can bring in a qualified black coach, but we've done. You know, they can basically say, well, we brought him in, and they can you know say you know kind of give us all the platitudes that they're doing the right thing. But at the end of the day, um, you know, a guy like Eric Bieniemy is still not a head coach in his league, and I think he's more than deserving of being a head coach. Um, and I think just the offense that he was in charge of, um, you know, as for this team, I think he's more than deserving. And I think, you know, I hope he will get a chance to lead a team very, very soon. Um, um, on the college basketball front, uh, you know, I mentioned there was one game um, and I, I took a moment to kind of glance at the, the schedule for this week. And to be real with you, there aren't a whole lot of um, uh, matchups as far as ranked matchups. I mean, there's some good on-paper matchups, but ranked matchups are seem to me, at least this season, seem to be lacking. And maybe that's because um, maybe there aren't a lot of similar team, teams in the same conferences, rather, who tend to be ranked at the same time. Now, Saturday, it's coming Saturday. I think we're going to see a little bit of an exception to that because there will be a few ranked, a uh, few ranked opponents in uh, the same conference who will play upcoming on Saturday. So I'll kind of break down uh, that slate uh, later on in the week. I just kind of took a quick glance and I saw a couple games that looked pretty interesting. I think one of the games is in the Big East. And I think the other game is in the SEC, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll um, talk through uh, those games a little bit later. So, so this weekend should be pretty fun. You know, you know, a lot of college basketball to watch. But again, it's you know always good to watch all the games, or as many games as you can. I mean, I don't, you know, I, as much as I love to watch college basketball, I don't know if I really have. You know, at least I feel like I want to have all the time to watch every possible game I can. I kind of want to spread out and watch, you know, more conferences, more teams. But, you know, it's kind of hard to do that, um, you know, because there's only so many teams and so, many time, so much time in a day when you have other things to be concerned with. Um, other than that, um, I kind of wanted to talk a little pro football. Um uh, kind of one other note from Pro Football, uh, Pro Football Talk, and I had to double check this because I saw this on Twitter, and then I looked at who was tweeting it, and I got confused thinking it was another site, and then I looked again, and I said, no, it's Pro Football Talk, and they're usually pretty, you know, reliable, a fairly reliable source when it comes to um, things from the National Football League, and they tweeted out that there's some potential interest from the Raiders and trying to talk to Tom Brady. So I read it and I said, wait, the Raiders, Tom Brady. So I had to read it again. And then as I said, as I'm reading it, I'm looking at the source and I go, okay. And then I still kind of laugh because in my head I'm thinking, well, may not be terribly far-fetched, but it is kind of far-fetched. You know, I don't know if Tom Brady is you know, ready to leave New England? I mean, I I don't know. I'm not a big, I'm not a Patriots fan. I'm not, you know, I, I give Brady his credit. You know, I mean, the man can straight up play the game of football. I mean, like him or hate him, the guy, the guy's a winner. But is he at the point where he's ready to leave New England? I don't think I can see him anywhere but New England. I mean, I would have thought that when the day comes when he's going to retire, which, you know, I would have thought it would have been by now, that he would leave 
and retire as a New England Patriot. Um, now, when he does retire, and if he were to leave, I'm sure that he would want to go into the Hall of Fame because, I mean, let's face it, the man is going to go into the Hall of Fame. I think he will go into the Hall of Fame uh, as a uh, as a New England Patriot. But we'll see. I mean, this is this is again, this is kind of for me when we talk about different pro sports. The season's usually fun, but all the stuff that happens after the season is always fun too. Because you know, with the NBA last year with all the movement, that was fun. You know, um, after you know watching Toronto win. Uh, win the NBA championship, then, okay, well, where's everyone going? So you saw the movement with Kawhi Leonard, with Kyrie Irving, uh, KD. So you saw all the movement happening, and it was just fun to watch because then you start to think, well, what is going to be the makeup of these teams over the next year or two? And um, and we know with KD, you know, that we're not going to really see anything from him this season. But again, you know, once he's back and healthy then what will uh what will that brooklyn team look like so um so same thing um if tom brady you know if because i I don't know i'm still thinking to myself this sounds so ridiculous but again maybe there's something to it you know do the raiders have it like that i don't know um the one thing i will be honest about as far as talking these types of issues is you know um, the, the differences in how the leagues do their contracts and money. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not an expert on all that stuff, you know, you know, salary caps and all that stuff. I mean, I understand the terminology, but I don't know how it works and I'm not even going to begin to try to, you know, make sense of it right now. But the way I think about it is, you know, do the Raiders have the money like that? Um, or, you know, the other way you can look at it is what are they willing to give up in order to, bring Tom Brady I mean and then are the Raiders poised to make that kind of commitment and can they put that product on the field that can win I mean you've got you know a Hall of Fame quarterback coming in I mean again if that were to happen I'm not saying it's happening but if that were to happen you bring in a guy who's definitely going to be first battle Hall of Fame and who's around him um you know these are questions that I can't answer but it's going to be fun to think about if this scenario were to come to fruition. But that's kind of uh, all I'm going to say about that. Um, so the other piece that I wanted to kind of get into as far as pro football is concerned is uh, the local uh, team here in the D.C. region. So, um, you know, um, no matter how you feel about the name controversy you know I, I it took me a while to evolve on this issue you know initially you know when um we the, the issue started talking about you know the name change and everything you know i was kind of like eh, well, what are we talking about it's not a big deal but as i thought about it more you know you know the name is controversial the name is to me um the more i think about it it is you know racially insensitive and so you know i do my best to try not to, um, you know, say the name because it is insensitive. I mean, you know, there are some people that will convince you that, you know, uh, Native Americans don't feel that way about some don't, but let's face it, many do. But nevertheless, um, the Washington team, um, their owner, Daniel Snyder. Um, so in late January, so around the, you know, the first to last week of the month, 
he took a trip to Annapolis, to the state capital in Maryland, and he was petitioning um, lawmakers um, to assist him with the possibility of starting uh, or having on-site gambling at a new stadium that they want to build on the current site of FedEx Field. So basically, the team plays their games in Maryland, so in Landover. Um, I'll kind of get into the, the, the logistics of that in a second. Um, they have a lease um, in Landover through 2027. So they've got about seven years to figure out the situation because the original plan was to try to bring the team back to the district to get the land back from the federal government, where the land where their old home sits, Robert F. Kennedy Stadium, RFK. Um, so the federal government owns that land. A lot of people in the city um, are opposed to bringing the team back to the city. So essentially tearing down, you know, getting the land back from the government, tearing down old RFK, rebuilding the site, and essentially what they probably would do if, it, if the plan is similar to what they're trying to do now is to bring not just put the stadium back in the city, but to bring the team's training facility there because the plan currently proposed by Snyder is he wants to rebuild or build a new stadium in Landover and he would fund it. So according to the report from the Washington Post, he would pay for this. Um, also bring the team's training, summer training facility from Richmond to Landover. So everything would be right there in Landover. Um, but also have a casino for betting. So basically sports betting. And essentially this is an interesting concept because right now um, the General Assembly in Maryland, they're kind of debating how they want to deal with this because this is a first for them. Um, my understanding from the article is that um, if they they could put this to the voters in November if they wanted to have an on-site casino and betting in a sports facility. Um, one example that they cited as a potential conflict of interest is the fact that, well, not conflict, but the idea that if they were to allow that to occur, then if you think about Baltimore, Baltimore has two stadiums that are right close to each other, uh, Oriole Parker Camden Yards and m and Bank Stadium, both homes of the Orioles and the Ravens respectively. But right inside that triangle is a casino, Horseshoe Casino is right there. So essentially they would be essentially creating competition for each other if they were to allow that. So again, there's some, some, some pieces that they have to balance out. But the thing for me is, it's not so much the casino and building the new stadium and all that stuff. I'm really focused on the idea that, you know, this owner, this man has owned this team for 20 years. This team has won, had five winning seasons in 20 years. They've won about 150 games and lost close to 200 with one tie. And they're on their ninth head coach in 20 years. So again, other teams have had fewer head coaches in the same period of time. So my thought is I, I appreciate the want to rebuild the stadium to make an economic opportunity in Prince George's County um, because the way they would build it out would also be like mixed use um, real estate. So you would have other entities there, restaurants and things of that nature. So it brings money to that part of Maryland. But I'm like this, why don't we try to make the team better? And 
when they introduced Ron Rivera as their new head coach uh, a few months ago, um, you know, Dan Snyder promised that the culture would get better. Now, being a longtime fan and being a recently seriously disgruntled fan, and plus coupled with the fact that I don't consume the league anymore like that, as an outsider looking in from that perspective of not consuming the league full-time, my whole thing is, if things have been this bad for 20 years, why the sudden turn on a dime like things are going to get better now? Call me skeptical, but I don't think things are going to get that much better. I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. But here's the way I look at it. You can't solve problems in sports, especially if you're losing. I understand having the money and say you want to sign certain free agents and you want to go out and draft certain rookies. I get that. But you have to evaluate talent first. And the one thing that this organization has lacked for a lot for a long time is a steady hand at GM. You need somebody who, number one, evaluates the talent, can say, okay, based on what we're trying to do, based on what we have, here's what we need, and here's the money we need to go out and get what we need. Instead, this owner's approach has been, let's just throw money at the problem, let's go out and get these few veterans who could, who play well in some other place and come here and flounder and flop. Plenty of examples you can look at over 20 years. I'm not going to get into it, but that's kind of been the MO here. Coupled with that, this, this whole issue of just terrible PR as far as handling internal problems, um, just this outward way of handling certain situations has been embarrassing. They've had a number of embarrassments as far as, you know, trying to bring in certain players who have broken the law or players who have broken the law while they are with the team and nothing's really done about it. Outside of this preferential treatment that this owner has for specific players or for his stars. So in a game this season, their rookie quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, was hurt. So the report was that Snyder left his owner's box, ran down to the to the locker room, hey, are you okay? But if some third round defensive lineman gets hurt, you know, he couldn't care. So I'm thinking, what is that what message does that send? So there's been a few articles that have written about this. Like what message does it send when you have this preferential uh, treatment towards the star players? And we saw that happening with RG3 and that whole controversy that he kind of had this, you know, this open door policy where he could go and vent about any old thing and that kind of essentially you know caused a rift between the coaching staff and the star and the and and the and the owner so again it's these types of uh, things I mean it'd be one thing if you just didn't have a GM who knew what they were doing that's one thing but it's it's more than just the GM it's the GM not having a GM it's just the culture culture wins culture is culture over everything if you have good culture then you can begin to build the pieces that can make you a winner i've always felt that way and i don't think anything's changed in that regard in my thinking um so i've been saying to you know in private conversations you know people ask me so what do you think you know the team should do i mean 
I mean, again, I just outlined what I think the team should do, but I'm like this. I will say this about DC fans. DC fans are fiercely loyal. They are extremely loyal to their team. So every team that is in DC, the fans love them to death. And look what happens. You've got a Stanley Cup winner. You've got a World Series winner. You've got a WNBA champion. So all that's left is for the uh, the, 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 the uh, Wizards to you know to finish the job. The you know the Wizards. I think you know again a work in progress. I, I, I don't really know where to begin with that either because, again, lots of opportunities there. Um, the nice thing is they've got a new GM in place, so maybe some things will change in that regard. But um, I think I posed this question to a local sports journalist. I said, who's going to win a title first? Will the Wizards win one first or will the Washington football team finally break through? And he responded resoundingly, Wizards, which <laughs> I kind of expected <laughs> that answer. But um, the fans, back to the fans. My whole thing has been this. The fans are so loyal that they essentially, for the longest time, and I think they're starting to wake up, for the longest time, the fans have been encouraging or enabling losing. They will go to games, they'll spend money, they'll buy merchandise. Stop it. And this fan, this, this fan base, this team rather, has been bleeding fans for the last you know, 15, 20 years or so. Maybe 15 years. And it's starting to show. Um, this season, when games are on TV, you can see how empty the stadium is. They've tried to cover up sections to make the stadium look more full. It's too, it's too late. It's, it's, you can't do that anymore. It's so obvious how empty the stadium is. And, and anytime you have more fans from the opposing team than you have from the home team, now you've really hit rock bottom. And I kind of feel like the fan base is kind of starting to get it. And it's similar, in my opinion, to what they did in Cleveland. You know, Cleveland fans were so appalled and aghast at how team, how bad their team was, they would stop going to the games. They'd go to the games and wear the paper bags over their head. They would just have whole parades kind of extolling upon how terrible the team is. And management heard it. And I think if you start to hit a team and their ownership in the pocket, I think it will send the message. And what happens? Cleveland is starting to turn the corner. Now, again, you can argue that Cleveland could be doing a little bit better, but again, that's a, that's a that's a whole other show. You could spend time talking about, you know, the type of season that Baker Mayfield had. And, and I've said this too privately that, you know, if Baker Mayfield hadn't had words to say about Daniel Jones and his performance, I kind of think his season would be a little bit better. That's a little bit of karma for you. You know, you understand that the guy plays the same position as you, and yeah, he's a rookie, but, you know, cut him a little slack. As a matter of fact, just don't talk about him at all. Just mind your knitting, play your game, and worry about your own team. He's going to, you know, he's going to be okay. He's going to be what he's going to be because he has to worry about waking up in the morning, knowing his plays, doing what he has to do to be the best at his position. So I kind of feel like that was karma. So hopefully, you know, pe people, again, like Baker Mayfield, people hate Baker Mayfield. I don't really have an opinion. I mean, he play, he does have his moments. He's a little brash. But again, like I said, I just felt like the type of season he had was kind of based upon that whole moment. I mean, call me crazy. I, you know, I kind of believe in, you know, you throw out 
into the universe, what you throw out in the universe will kind of come back to get you in the end. And I kind of feel like that whole, you know, what he said, and then he tried to walk it back. What he had to say about Daniel Jones, I think that's what he threw out, and it came back to get him. And there's your season right there. So I think the Washington fans are starting to get it. And I think the more pressure they put on, I think they can probably send a message. Now, how will that affect the team moving forward as far as, you know, this new stadium and all that? All that is kind of up in the air because, again, if he's willing to build a new stadium with his own money, that's fine. Now, again, can he fill said stadium? Again, that's a, that's a whole other issue because there is a clause in NFL uh, NFL team uh, contracts as far as their, their their revenue sharing that if the team's attendance begins to affect overall revenue sharing for the league, then the commissioner has the right to come in and make some changes to that ownership. I don't think it's gotten that bad, but. Jeff Bezos got the fan base really excited when he said one day, you know, kind of interested in buying an NFL team. And people were like, please buy this team. And we all know that Snyder is going to hold on to his team fiercely. He's not going to give it up, which, you know, okay, fine. It's yours. You can do whatever you want with it. But I will be surprised if the culture changes and if you start to see this team come around but again it all starts with him releasing some of the uh some of the responsibility and being the money guy if you're the team owner your job is to sign the checks your job is not to go out and evaluate talent well unless you're jerry jones because jerry jones can do that jerry jones played the game he understands the game he can evaluate talent he does have a you know he's the gm so he can do both he's in charge he's the gm so he knows how to sign the checks and bring in the talent he needs to win and look at his team now they can't get super bowl to save their lives but <laughs> as a, again a whole nother show but that's what snyder needs he needs a capable gm and he had one so mcgluin and what happens mcgluin got ran out of town so but that was all bruce allen and we all know they finally got rid of him so bye 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 um, so now they got to start over. But you bring in a capable GM, someone who knows how to evaluate talent and how to build a team. It's not going to happen overnight, but it's a slow process. It can be done, but the culture has to change. So again, the casino sounds great, but Snyder's got bigger problems. And I think it starts with ensuring that he can keep his ninth head coach in the house for a while. Because I like Riverboat Ron. I think Ron Rivera's a great coach. I hear he's a player's coach. So... I think he'll he can get it together on the field, but you have to have the talent. And if you don't have the talent, I mean, who, who's going to succeed when you don't have talent? You know, what I mean, some coaches there are coaches who can coach just about anybody, and but there's a limit to that. And if you don't have people who are even remotely talented, then what's the point? So, all in all, it's going to be an interesting start to. Um, as far as now the season's over, it's going to be an interesting start to free agency. It's going to be an interesting start to how the seasons will shape up for teams moving forward. Um, the last piece for today. So I'm kind of flying blind today. It's um, This is a first. As I think I mentioned I'm recording this. It's uh, about 7.20 in the evening. So I'm driving home. It's super dark. And I wrote notes, but can't read the notes in the dark. So I'm kind of going off of what I wrote and a lot of... You know, this podcast 
is uh, you know doing this podcast is really helping me as far as writing the podcast and you know doing the research and and I hope that in doing this podcast I hope I'm doing it justice I'm hoping I'm doing a good job and bringing you you know some issues and bringing them to in a as an intelligent manner as I can doing some research bringing you you know you know try not to mess up the research but also it helps me with other projects because I'm working on some other podcast projects that some things that hopefully I'll you know kind of start talking about later um the last thing today is um you know the Lakers the Lakers played their first home game Friday night uh since the untimely and tragic passing of Laker legend Kobe Bryant um I watched uh, a little bit of the first half of fantastic game um you know won by portland trailblazer with the portland trailblazers um dame lillard what can you say dame lillard that man just he's just amazing i think dame lillard could shoot the ball from portland and make a basket i mean what what shot can he not make so i think he went for i believe he went for 48 so he lost his mind in a portland win uh in los angeles but um the tribute to kobe was so moving and um all the um words and 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 uh, tributes that were that were uh given at the start of the, before the they went to the the actual staples center for the uh, the tribute um they had in conversation uh mike wilbon stephen a smith uh, Jalen Rose, Paul Pierce, along with Maria Taylor, and they were just, you know, just sharing, you know, their memories of Kobe. And uh, you know, again, um, in hearing those tributes, you know, he was a basketball man, but there was more to him than basketball. You know, uh, I enjoyed Wilbon talking about how um, he had, uh, I believe, he had a heart had heart surgery or had had a, a heart issue, and. Uh, when he first uh, saw Kobe after that, you know, Kobe was so happy to see him, but then he closed the door and he proceeded to read him the riot act and told him that he needs to do a better job of taking care of himself. And Wilbon laughed and said that, you know, he said some things to me that I cannot repeat on the air, but it shows you the level of care, the level of humanity that he had, not just for those he knew who were in basketball or you know he, he was a uh, you know I remember reading hearing a um, article or show saying that he was like a big brother a godfather to a lot of the players who are playing now but um, you know just the humanity that he had just for everyone because as I mentioned in a few shows ago that you know the work the work they did with veterans obviously the Mamba the Mamba Academy uh, again you know he was so much more than just a basketball player and that was reflected in the tributes um, LeBron you know LeBron just spoke off the cuff and you know I think in a moment like that I think that's probably the best way to speak from the heart and he spoke from the heart um, you know so so eloquently and um, you know those guys you know they're they're feeling it and and honestly you know I you know was feeling it as well as I kind of reflected in the show where I talked about Kobe's passing that you know um, somebody you know that young to, to leave us so tragically um, you know I just felt like you know not knowing him but hearing all the things that he was doing, there was so much left to be done. And it's just, 
you know it's still a shock it's still a shock that 2020 is just going to be a year that we're not going to forget because you know he's not with us anymore but um but we will the best we can those of us who are fans uh those who are players and former players and those who write and talk about the NBA on the regular you know it's going to be hard but you know we will press on and we will do all we can to continue to honor his memory in the best way that we can again whether you are a fan or whether you are in the media or those who knew him personally well that is it for today wanted to get Monday's episode in the lucky number 10 not 13 lucky number 10 13 will be next week i think it'll be 11 and 12 this week so this time next week i think will be episode 13 so you know if you record uh three times a week you kind of get to 20 a little bit faster but nevertheless we're gonna get there best way we can and i'm gonna keep uh doing what i do and try to keep doing it the best way i can and um I thank you for listening, for coming along on the ride. Um, please hit me up if you have questions, comments, you want to talk about you know, anything on the show, um, whatever's on your mind. I'm open. Um, I gave you the Twitter. The Twitter, it's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Feel free to let me know what's on your mind. And as always, um, enjoy the sports, and I will talk to you very soon.